can't spell poltergeist without pearl tergeist <laughs> no because there's no a Sunday scaries. Yeah, it's close, but it's a uh, Pearltergeist. Pearltergeist. Polter. Pearltergeist. Yeah. Uh, hey guys, it's a uh, Sunday scaries. It's a podcast about horror movies where each week we take a deep dive into a specific film and try to find connections between that film and other movies within the genre. In this series, we're talking about slashers. And for our bonus episode this week, bonus. We are discussing a much anticipated prequel that is coming out this weekend. It's. Pearl. <laughs> nice. I want to be loved from as many people as possible. But truth is, I'm not really a good person. Nice. The eye contact helps. I keep thinking about uh, Mr. Crab's daughter from SpongeBob. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> the poor whale. Yeah. There's a lot of questions about her existence too. Yeah, how a she crab came into being. Gave birth to a whale. Or questions. Yeah, about I mean, I actually, I think they cover that in a backstory. And like adopted. Some, yeah, there's something like that. I, it, Stephen Hillebrand right now is like, you shouldn't be asking <laughs> these kinds of questions. Uh, yeah, let's not, let's not dive too deep. It's in the Nickelodeon vault. Yeah, right. Uh, so trapped on her family's isolated farm, Pearl must tend to her ailing father under the overbearing watch of her devout German mother while her husband fights on the front lines of the war in France. Uh, so this is set in World War One era United States. Yeah. Uh, when Pearl's sister-in-law visits the family, she's invited to a local audition for a dance troupe. Uh, it's her dream come true, and Pearl will do anything to leave the farm, join a dance troupe, and hopefully be in the movies. Uh, along the way, she'll encounter a bohemian theater projectionist who ignites her passion and tempts her way away from her husband. Uh, the closer Pearl gets to her audition day, the tighter her mother's grip. And the more dangerous Pearl becomes, it's only a matter of time before Pearl's violent tendencies wreak havoc on her parents, the projectionist, and even her sister-in-law. So this was fun. It was a, it, a it was a treat. <laughs> I feel like I like this movie more than you did. I you as know, we were walking out of it. You kind of did, and I yeah. still feel that way. I'm like guilty. I don't like it more. No, I, I see a lot of people really liking it. Yeah, I think especially. So we got to go to uh, a press screening again. Thank you to the Alamo Draft House uh, press yeah. people. Uh, that yeah, was really yeah. awesome. Um, and seeing. I think like juxtaposing this with X and just kind of seeing the phenomenon of X coming out and then this being produced as a prequel yeah. like consecutively and then he drops the bomb whenever this is premiering at the Toronto Film Festival of Maxine, the third installment in what will be a trilogy. Three X's Three for X's. the record in yeah. Maxine. Yeah. For the third X film, Mac, Matt, Triple X scene, yeah. Maxine. I love it. There's no X in Pearl though. No, there's not. I'm just thinking of like how you would like make bend the letters to make the letter X. Anyways, yeah, you could do like like X dollar sign. But it it so yeah, it's cool too because like uh, we're looking at like maybe less than uh, what like six months, six months between both movies getting released, mm-hmm. Pearl and between X coming out and Pearl coming out. Yeah, because March is when X came out, right? And when we X came out, that. we had heard they announced yeah that they had they had already shot it they're like we already did a sequel mm-hmm. and so we i guess in our brains because this is like the first i was like one of the first episodes i did here yeah it was x um i think in our, like my brain i was like cool we'll see it in a year or yeah something. right like a normal release time would be 
like a year or two after yeah, the first one. Did they say anything about what the timeline was for releases whenever they announced that? I don't think they, they just kind of said like, "Hey, we've got this." Yeah. In the chamber. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fire off. I assume it was in post when they announced it, so they didn't want right. to like, jinx themselves by setting a target date. Right. Um, because from the so from the conversation, uh, so at the press screening, they they broadcast that um i don't know if it was live for us but it was something that they had done it was in brooklyn yeah we were in dallas yeah ty west it. was being interviewed and then they skyped in mia goth to who talk was in about, toronto yeah for the toronto so Film we're Festival. in dallas watch live streaming them in brooklyn zooming in with someone in toronto yeah uh, and in that conversation they kind of laid out how that the whole timeline of this worked out right where it's like yeah. they landed in they filmed in new zealand they filmed x in new zealand um and ty west is like yeah we filmed in the hardest place you know basically in the world to to get into but also the like the safest place because of the global pandemic i think yeah. they shot they must have shot it like in the dead center of the pandemic or like mm-hmm. right when everything just like completely shut down yeah and they talked about how because they were going into new zealand there was a mandatory two-week quarantine uh so ty west and mia goth skyped zoom called every day uh, and basically started used that used that two weeks to brainstorm the uh, script for Pearl. Yeah, because uh, they kind of like soft pitched an idea. He said that they did so much character work on Pearl if for X, uh-huh. who was like the antagonist of X. Um, like what makes her crazy? Why does she kill? Like all this stuff that they mm-hmm. had essentially written enough content for a new film. Exactly. And pitched it, and the uh, and the producers were kind of on the fence. Like, well, we don't want, we don't want to commit to something we don't know what it is. Like, yeah. let's just finish X and see where we land. And so he said, Ty West said, if he and Mia Goth could get together and come up with that script and turn it in before they even shot it, he was like, you know, we could back to back do this because let's just take what we already have for X and shoot it for Pearl, but in a different century kind of. And he said, worst case scenario, we have a really fully developed backstory. For right. This yeah. Character worst X. case scenario, like, I don't know, 90 something pages yeah. of backstory. Yeah. Which was, uh, but I, I don't know. I think it ended up being awesome. Uh, it is tight. Yeah. It's like a hundred minutes with credits or something. Yeah, right? I think like an hour 45 with five to 10 minutes of credits. Maybe. We'll get to it. You have to factor in that last three minute the one smile. shot yeah. of her. Uh, it's fantastic. I think so. All of that being said, Mia Goth, the writer, uh, kind of featuring in this movie much more so than an ex. Which good I think for her. Is, I hope she got her uh, her WGA card after this or right? something. Yeah. I mean, she was, yeah, she was, that was something that like I was surprised by or, or pleased to see whenever the credits were rolling at the it's beginning. It's funny to listen to her when she talked about it too. She's like, I don't actually know how to write. Yeah. I just like scribbled ideas down. Stream of like, consciousness for yeah, like 45 like minutes at a time. threw things at the wall and Ty would like translate them into screenplay I think that's probably the best way to write though. I don't know. It's <laughs> yeah. a really good way. Oh, to, for sure. Uh, There's not a bad, I mean, to get in a lot of ways page. it's a better way to do yeah. it because you need someone who can translate it and someone who has like the really strong ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, so getting into the beginning of this movie, we, we, I kind of mentioned the credits. I think this is a good time to talk about the aesthetic choice and the difference between X versus this movie. So X, yeah. when we talked about it, we talked about how Ty West was basically producing a perfect replica of a 70s slasher film, a yeah. really good rendition of, of that classic. It's you know, like a big send-up of Texas Chainsaw mm-hmm. Massacre. Which vibes way even more in this movie, too, right. with the various characters. And this movie, rather than being like a 70s slasher, kind of takes us back. Do you think that was an accurate statement, that it's we're kind of in the golden age of cinema sort of yeah. thing? Well, it's very clear the first 15, 20 minutes that this is like, it's very much a shout-out to like when color cinema was just mm-hmm. coming out. And uh, this is kind of fun. They talk about this with like the Wizard of Oz mm-hmm. is uh, so they painted the Wizard of Oz um, some of its early cuts in order to give it color, yeah. which is kind of maddening. You think about painting every single frame of that Jesus film. Christ. 
Um, but one of, it's one of the reasons that film is so colorful. So highly saturated. Uh, yeah, yeah, and an experience because it goes from black and white to color. But mm-hmm. it was one of the first color films to come out. Mm-hmm. And so for a long time, they were doing like big elaborate shows to kind of demonstrate the power of color filmmaking. So it would be like these like, you know, you know, emerald tones mm-hmm. and yellow, you know, yellow brick road, emerald tone, like blue skies and the all that. Red ruby shoes. Exactly. And they were just going as and, big as yeah. possible. Um, to demonstrate that they're like this could mm-hmm. be amazing. Yeah, and this definitely the the tone, the palette, and the saturation level of this movie definitely out of control. Yeah, they it's they like nail it. Bleeding red. I fucking the skies I, have never been bluer. I think, and I think that's kind of like cornfields look amazing. <laughs> you say cornfields or cornfields? Corn, okay, uh, <laughs> it's a little Freudian slip there. Uh, I'll give you a slip. Yeah, uh, but this I think that's one of the things that I maybe it was is why I found myself liking this movie more than you did, where I, I just loved the, the ability that Ty West had to create to, cause it's kind of that thing. It's like that Kubrick thing where it's like, Oh, you're going to create basically two different genres of movie. Yeah. Um, using the same crew and actor, um, to bring these to life. And I, th- I think that that dynamic shift is what I appreciated about it and why I'm so excited for, uh, the sequel that got announced to be set in the eighties and stuff to right. see like, all right, let's, let's, uh, let's, f- fulfill all the bullet points of each one of these uh, time periods as far as film goes i feel like the things that enthused me the most i got like enough of and then something like it went over mm. my cup overfloweth in a way that made me like i don't i don't think i need I'm, i guess i'm a little more austere in my like desires yeah I, I could definitely we'll get to them uh, those moments here in a bit but i definitely think you know we talked about mia goth the writer coming out and i think that this is a very indulgent script that's for, what i was uh, gonna say yeah. i hate to be that guy yeah like they got it done i mean the fact that that's that draft of that script got done is mm-hmm. impressive because so look like line it up logically they wrote that script in two weeks which is a feat it's like 90 mm-hmm. something pages i imagine they did some sort of edits and then they went and shot x so they had three weeks downtime. They prepped the next one and then turned around and went and shot Pearl. There's not a lot of time to put, you know, finishing touches on that script to mm-hmm. cut things or to add things. You're basically going to have to make that movie in post. And he said there's like scenes that they got rid of in post-production that they must have mm-hmm. shot. Uh, but that kind of quick turnaround time, I just, I I love it, but I just don't feel like that draft was, was quite there. Do you think... Uh, w- was that already framed for you? Because I guess we did get that right before we actually started watching it. Was that in your mind as we were watching Pearl? Like you were kind of like seeing or, or you were subconsciously already sensing for like the scenes and like the, the writing to come through or? No, I mean, I think uh, like we didn't find out about how they wrote the script okay, until that's right, afterwards. Yeah. Um, like he, he they told us in the Q&A after. Right. Um, and so I did. I Honestly, I had thought that because when it was announced – I had thought that while they were in post-production on uh, X, they went and did Pearl. That's common. Right. Is to, while you're like, you know, a graphics team is like editing stuff, you're like, great, it's going to take three months. I can put together a movie and do it real fast. Um, So I had thought like, oh, they were like already done with X and maybe they'd been developing this script for a while. But when he said that at the Q&A, I was like, oh, I get it now. That's why there's Mm -hmm. so much. Yeah. There's so much to all of it Mm -hmm. that like, I think, I think like it's part of what makes it great. Mia Goth, you know, just put her on the screen and just like let her go. Yeah, that will be my. Uh, we will get to that moment, you know, here in our discussion of the plot and stuff. Yeah. But I think that will be my counter argument. Where I see what you're talking about, but I think, and I think if if that this particular actor hadn't 
have been able to pull off the performance. Right. The they way actually might did. have cut more if she couldn't have done that. Right. And uh, I think that it would have fallen more flat for me. But I definitely see your, you know, your point that it's like I said, it's a very indulgent script for for Mia Goth um, to kind of show her uh, her to flex. Right. right? I, um, you know, this one sits in a weird place with me because, like, I think objectively. I can see it's a great movie. Mm-hmm. Like I see all the, the hallmarks of greatness, but personally, I'm like I'm okay. Yeah, it's good. It was pretty good. <laughs> Which might just be it. Might just be a ta- come down Which to a taste. I, thing. I am starting to think yeah. maybe I'm a bad faith critic, or yeah. like I just I just don't have the taste for it. No, I, don't I know. think that's a good balance because I feel like I've been talking about this a lot recently, and uh, as we get into the next series, I'm excited for some of our guests to come in who have uh, not overly positive opinions. Yeah, we need like, some hot takes. Exactly. Yeah, because I feel like I you know I made the watch list, so I ended up picking movies that I really enjoy, and so the consequence of that is uh, you, you kind of need someone <laughs> to take you down a peg or two. Yeah, it's like I I just like all these movies too much. I can argue against you if you want i'm 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 the son of a lawyer so i'm a decent devil's advocate there you go see what i did there (laughs) um but yeah you want to talk about the plot of this for a second we can kind of like hit some of these uh these moments these people need to know yeah so this one uh it kicks off with uh within the first like five minutes pearl murders a goose uh so we 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 establish like the uh, the farmhouse from the first movie um but it's 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 very uh, dorothy from wizard of oz she's like singing to the animals mm -hmm. and dancing and then everything's like cut short her mom's just like what the hell are you doing? Like, get out of my dress. Who said you could wear that stuff? Yeah. Go feed the cows or whatever. Yeah, we introduce the character of this mom uh, really quickly. Uh, and, yeah, this is the most... This feels very, like, serial killer backstory, like, to a T. It's like we're the, watching Psycho before Psycho happens. Exactly. Yeah, the stern, for like, you know, immigrant mother who is just, like... And then she kind of sets it up, too, why... They set up quickly why the mother is so stern, and it actually makes a lot of sense to yeah. me. Uh, like World War One is going on, so we don't like Germans. Mm-hmm. Bad news. We're not going to like Germans again in like 20 years from then. So that's not going to pay off well. Mm-hmm. But they're like two German immigrants living in the middle of nowhere, and her father suffers or suffered from the first plague. I, I assume. Capital I think P. it's implied that he he like contracted polio or something, yeah. which is what left him completely He's paralyzed. Infirm, yeah, he literally can't. Do and like he yeah he's he's paralyzed mm-hmm. and they wheel him around and spoon feed him mm-hmm. all the time and I like this dynamic that they establish like kind of at the top too like you said they you know the mother feels just as trapped as Pearl does yeah but because of her upbringing and like her sense of obligation to her husband and everything like she she knuckles down and it's a very german thing too. yeah it's like very german you you prioritize your obligations over your mm-hmm. personal needs the the theme that will the recurring theme that will be um returning at the end of the movie too the idea of uh you know making the most out of what you have not uh yeah um not reaching for the stars or anything. Just reaching just for the of, pitchfork. Yeah, reaching for the pitchfork. Because, yeah, immediately after feeding the animals, she takes that pitchfork. She turns around and there's a goose. And she like, she's like, what are you doing here? Grabs a pitchfork and just full on. We don't see the goose get stabbed, but then it goes to her like walking up to a gorgeous little idyllic lake. A little uh-huh. backwards. It's a little pond, pond the on the farm. Movie. Yeah. And like calls in. Was it? it Peter or something? Did she have a name for it? I thought she was saying Peter. I couldn't tell if she was calling it by name or if she was saying feeding or like feed feed her or something oh, maybe. or she feeds the dead d- duck dead goose on her pitchfork to an alligator freeze alligator mid bite like chomp in the air exploding out of the water it's a great freeze in the, frame in that gorgeous like uh um typography that like classic 1920s like cursive handwriting just says pearl i loved the credits for this movie yeah, yeah. and i like i said i think this is where it yeah it definitely worked for me a lot more than it did for you where it was like it, it was just so 
I don't know. I just feel like they captured the the spirit yeah. of that era so well, and that juxtaposed with like what we know is going to be a very unsettling kind of right. You know, somewhat the other thing movie. is all of us are going into this movie, so this is important. We, before we get into this movie, we're going into it knowing Pearl's going to kill someone. Yeah, like we even if we you know what seen she becomes X, ultimately, the trailers for this movie imply that she's going to stab somebody with a pitchfork. Mm-hmm. She's got great ambitions. She's probably a little unhinged. You're like, cool. She's going to kill someone. Mm-hmm. Who's she going to be? And I. I liked that the steady on like we also you know they talked about this in the post credit sort of uh, discussion or whatever but um, Ty West being like you know we don't see her go from like innocent to like like flipping a switch or having some kind of crisis that you know initiates her or incites her into being a murderer right like she's right up top we're like oh yeah she's she's already crazy like yeah. there's something dark there like it, her- it's literally just a matter of like when is she, when is it gonna happen yeah. and you get that within the first 10 15 minutes you're like she's gonna kill somebody yeah we have our first like they, i think they have like one meal right before yeah. she like takes like we get the first dinner scene where we get some more of like the reinforcement of uh you know the set and what's going on and stuff um like her you know stern driven mother and the idea that like this yeah. pandemic is raging they i also just eat a lot of corn yeah too. a lot of corn and potatoes corn on the cob yeah yeah they do potatoes but like just boiled yeah uh, and then just corn yeah and she That's just it. tears into that corn and then goes and takes a bath and uh yeah we get these really unsettling bath scenes where yeah, she's she, like she bathes but like with her infirm father in the yeah room, which i guess uh, yeah that's weird yeah i guess the like the implication is that she like gives him a sponge bath too and then also takes a bath and then like her mom comes in though and is like take I care get, of your, yeah. i mean contextually i guess that was like normal for like farm families in the day but, but it's definitely being played as like you know uh this is a, a weird uh yeah like transgressive thing too because we're all we're just kind of like operating on those tones uh the father too is big yeah big texas chainsaw massacre father vibes he does his head just kind of lulls to the side of his shoulder uh and he could like practically be drooling if you didn't if you weren't paying attention yeah she has to like spoon feed him his porridge and stuff and she's constantly constantly spooning the uh like the morphine tincture that's his medicine yeah they used to call it laudanum or whatever um into his mouth uh so in her little interaction and that's in that sequence is uh she you know we learned that she's about to go get more medicine the next day and uh which is a good thing because she gets to go in town exactly which her mom's like don't be don't go don't stay in town too long you're german they mm-hmm. could kill you mm-hmm. um, cover your face yeah and cover your face with a mask yeah because the deadly plague is about i noticed this in um when i was watching three thousand years of longing as well but it's really interesting to see the era of the pandemic that we're in now where you know a lot of these uh like the social conventions have been established and everything and movies are finding interesting ways like subtle ways to incorporate those like in three thousand years of longing it's not like identified ever but she like when she goes into a building she's like wearing her mask or like takes it off yeah and then in this too it's it was an interesting idea i thought to 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 place this in in the time period of another global pandemic or like uh, which seems kind of prescient when you're writing the script you're mm-hmm. like ah oh, yes this will be like this will this will be very interesting like there's some commentary here but i'm not entirely confident it really like panned out i also thought it was just i mean the cynical side of me also thought it was just a good way to get around you know to to limit the number of hoops you have to jump through to be filming your characters maskless on set you're like oh yeah well let's just put it in the in the time period of another pandemic and then it makes sense for them to be wearing masks practically that makes a lot more sense um but why do that and then not mask create an excuse to mask for x it's the exact same shooting conditions right because there's only like three weeks apart that's true (laughs) 
but it's it's one of those things so they so this is the time of the spanish flu mm-hmm. right the big one spanish influenza and so it's the same feelings like wear your mask when you go out mm-hmm. be careful in crowds um you know it's, when movie theaters are dangerous mm-hmm. that's what they say but it doesn't really play into the story there's like a handful of times where someone coughs or gets sick and they're like oh, who is that yeah but it's it's not like Nothing. It doesn't affect the plot. Directly. I think it's more central to the the sentiments of like the mother and right. like their relationship than it is to actual any actual events of, right. the, of the plot. But in a lot of ways, it's like an overcommitment on something that doesn't really mm-hmm. add to this to the story. Mm-hmm. Like it it added enough just by having her express that caution mm-hmm. and like maybe we need a scene or two with her like being chastised for not wearing a mask or someone coughing. But I just felt like it like. Either it wasn't developed enough, or it was developed too much. Like too yeah, much, the only you know time I mean? it comes back is like either um, dial it back or dial it way up. Yeah, a little after this, whenever uh, like we're jumping ahead, but she comes back with the top hat and she's like, "Oh, yeah. you brought that. You know, you could bring all you brought back were germs, right? Or something. Go wash your head um, and all that." Yeah, but uh, so she goes to the uh, she goes to get more medicine, and that's yeah, it's like a like a morphine tincture. It or literally something. says morphine on the yeah, bottle. and I love that. So she goes to see uh, she wants to go to see a picture, right? She goes to see a silent film, and she takes a big glug of the morphine tincture while she's like in the seats of Which the silent is film. Wild! Yeah. I was like, how are you? I don't think a human being could drink that much morphine. I don't know. Just, like sit in a movie theater for she's uh, what is essentially two or three hours. Yeah, she's like feeding spoonfuls of it to the dad. Yeah, but he gets, like she was just like guzzling that stuff. Yeah, out she of took the a bottle. big old gulp, which you have to assume. I think you know the whole point of this is to establish that like you know so we understand that she's she's got a lot of other insidious character okay. traits. Yeah, yeah, and that there's there's something going on there. But I mean, um, who among us hasn't wanted to do drugs and just sit in a movie theater for like a half a day? Yeah, that's that's a dream right yeah. <laughs> it's it's awesome admittedly i think morphine's extremely addictive and debilitating for your health yeah i don't know if i would do like barbecue like that'd be a right you just be like a, a couch potato yeah like i mean i get high and go to the movies all the time yeah and i think that's you know analogous to that but yeah she just straight as she's just like I yeah she, maybe it just makes the movie more exciting yeah i just it was also just like the the comedic elements of this movie too like right. the bit you know it is very comedy yeah there's this Part of my gripe is the tone. The complexity of the tone is a little too off in some directions. You think it's, yeah, it goes a little, yeah, it, it's uh, a little bit too, like, whiplashy in some which, moments. Which I think is just a byproduct of an under, a slightly underbaked script. Mm-hmm. I could see that. I think, like, I don't know, I, I think it maintains, like, this air of absurdity and also, like, hyper-reality. I think, because yeah. it, it's, like, the whole thing with the projection, so we, we get introduced to the character of the projectionist, right? Right. And this he's is kind how, of, like, right after she sees the movie, she goes out in an alleyway. Yeah. And she meets this projectionist. Yeah, and because of, like, the, like I said, the color palette and the oversaturation of everything, some of this does feel, you know, it, it also feels, like, a little bit whimsical, right? You know, these kind yeah. of, like, perfect characters. Like, he's a, yeah, the uh, the projectionist comes in doing some great accent work. David C- Corrin's wet. Uh, Corrin's wet? Is that his name? Yeah. Um, Corin's vet. Corin's vet. Yeah. Uh, but his whole shtick is like, you know, he, he kind of comes on a pearl, like offers her a cigarette and stuff. And is like, hey, come back anytime you want. I can show you a movie you know, whenever totally you want. He's totally flirting. Oh, yeah. Uh, does some great, yeah, like Texan. Did the accent hold up throughout throughout it? I think it does. There, I don't. So we never geographically locate this place in, in Pearl. In X... Don't they say they're leaving Houston? Yeah, to I go think, somewhere. I think what we agreed upon when we did or they're X, leaving Galveston to yeah. Film. So they 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 leave Houston, and I think what we assume is that they're somewhere around like Louisiana, Texas border, or right. something. 
which kind of makes sense for like the alligators and the swamplands and everything. That's right. We so, did try. We tried to geolocate this yeah, exact place. That's what we have to assume, I guess. So it is. They're going for like a rural country. Yeah. Texas kind of accent. Yeah, it's a Texas Texan accent. Yeah. Mia Goth's accent holds up pretty Something well. Something about that it. accent too also says like uh, like early twenties, like Dorothy, yeah. like Dorothy from Wizard of Oz kind of thing is like it's above and beyond. Yeah. But it, I mean, it's like a whimsical, exaggerated version. Yeah, of this, uh, and they all kind of are exaggerated versions uh-huh. of all these characters. Yeah, like the mom's German accent is pretty. I don't know. She like, just speaks in German yeah. for like three quarters of the movie. Yeah, that all I like that. That all played really well for me. Yeah, it's a good. It's a good element. But yeah. um, but the projectionist is he flirts with her and she's like, I have a husband. Mm-hmm. He's like. Sorry, your dude's off at war. Yeah, this is the other thing that we kind of forgot to establish at the top is that uh, Howard, who is in X, he's the old man from X, yeah. is currently in fighting in World War One, and so this is also what is uh, why uh, Pearl feels caged or trapped or like you know yeah. he, and he left her. her she original feels abandoned. ticket off the farm went to go fight in World mm-hmm. War One. There's that one great cutaway that's like right at the beginning of the movie, right before the goose murder. Yeah. Whenever like it's it's her imagining him walking up you know the country road back to the house. Yeah, and then he just explodes. No, no, no. That's with the that's the crocodile egg where she squishes the. Oh, is that alligator. later? Yeah, she squishes oh. an alligator egg and then simultaneously imagines her husband combusting. Yeah. into just pink it, mist, as if he's like like hit by a mortar shell or something, or like a grenade. <laughs> if he had swallowed a mortar yeah, shell, yeah, he just he literally <laughs> just explodes sideways into like a horizontal <laughs> fan of blood. Yeah, uh, hello, Eli Roth. Yeah. yeah, I have your new best friend. <laughs> it's good. The gore in this movie is awesome. I it I, gets I there. Think, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think both of these have really great kills and gore. That is like you know, it's it's not it's it's over the top in some senses, but right. it's also like some of the kills happen off screen and some of it happens on screen. And when it does, it's happen got a on good screen, sense of patience. Yeah, it knows how to plot its its kills. Um, but yeah, so we get we get back on we're on the way back from uh, from town, and that's as we get the uh, the scare- Hell yeah. Mr. Scarecrow scene. Let's go! Yeah, um, she bikes. She bikes on an, another like Wizard of Oz mm-hmm. moment. Well, very she's Dorothy. Like, yeah, the even whole her costume. Thing. Yeah, it's all yep. blue. You know, she's got the overalls with like the blue undershirt oh, yeah, on and red yeah, bandana. Yeah, so she goes into the cornfield to find a, a missing. She lost something, and she's like searching around and runs into a scarecrow. It's the uh, the single frame that yeah, he cut out the of the. Uh, yeah, he cut out a single frame of a reel of a movie reel. And he's like, here, take that. That'll be for you. Right. And she's like, is that going to fuck up the movie? And you're like, yeah, probably. But he's like, no, I'll just cut it back together. So she, she's trying to find this in the cornfield, finds a scarecrow. Yeah. And is like not at all terrified by it. Goes up to like say hello and just gets the impulse to break, like get it off the cross and start dancing with it. Maybe like swing it around. And, you know, this is her private life we're seeing. Like yeah. she just wants to dance and be like famous and have people like you know swing her around and then the next thing you know she's like lowering full this on making out with it. yeah she is like licking this scarecrow's lips yeah. it she is starts grinding on it. commits yeah she's like humping the scarecrow takes a look it's around, a sexy scene man and then she just goes her and it. that scarecrow have so much chemistry dude like they honestly you know, yeah i guess it's, it's a sign mia goth could have chemistry with anyone if she can make a scarecrow <laughs> look sexy she does mr scarecrow comes off looking really good in that mr. scene mr scarecrow mr Senor- crow mr crow um but she takes his hat too as a little souvenir and then heads back to the uh the it's her trophy yeah she um, conquered him she gets to take something <laughs> home um uh, Oh, yeah, this is the, uh, I think this is where, so she gets back to the house, right, and she gets chastised by her mom for bringing home the germ hat. Yeah. Um, 
And I think this is where I like went to the bathroom or something. I think I missed something about them. You setting did. Up. You literally left for just this one scene, like thirty seconds. Travis gets up right as the scene starting, goes to pee. By the time he's back, it's over. Yeah. And I was like, I, I'm, bu- I'm too busy watching this movie to explain it to you. Slash, I'm sure it will make sense the longer it goes on. Yeah, but I guess that's where we get the established, like where we learn about the dance contest, right? Yeah. Because uh, Misty is there at the house. We get so, we get some solid backstory mm-hmm. stuff that I think is very useful. But mm-hmm. like, uh, Howard's family visits Pearl right, okay. and her mother. Um, and you get the feeling that Howard comes from money, but he married poor. Yeah. Uh, and you know, the monologue later, you find out Howard was a, you know, spent a summer as a field hand mm-hmm. and Pearl kind of seduced him and got him to marry her. But we don't, we don't learn that yet. We just mm-hmm. find Pearl's sister-in-law, super sweet, super kind. Misty. Misty. Yeah. There, the family brings him like a roast pig and her mother, this German mom is just like, super aggravated and it's like we don't accept charity yeah and like they're like it's a pig just take it and they're like no absolutely not so and so just, it just sits outside on the porch for the remainder the porch, of the movie and the, in the rest <laughs> of the entire movie we would just watch this pig slowly just get grosser and grosser yeah uh, but her sister-in-law is like comforting her she kind of she's like the only friend she has mm-hmm. and she's like hey there's a dance audition there's this troupe they're gonna be traveling around the state to try and like boost you know the nation's morale uh you should audition like we should go together so it's very like sweet innocent like she's just looking after her sister-in-law kind of thing while her brother who we know comes from money married poor she literally says like if his honor didn't force him to go to war like if he didn't want feel the need to fight for his country um so there's like this you know they both are kind of like oh are stupid my yeah. husband your brother kind of thing um which is just great because now we have a target right now we're like oh pearl wants to be in the movies dancing gets you in the movies so pearl you see her mind just go like a to z in an instant all I have to do is win this audition and I will be in the movies and be famous. Yeah. And it's, I think at this point, like throughout this movie, we like, we're still kind of rooting for Pearl, right? Like, right. it's not like it, it's sad. I mean, it's just really sad. Cause she is like, she is just suffocated by her life on the farm. Yeah. And I think that's the other, it really gets hammered home here in a little bit, especially once we get to the dance competition. But this is the other theme that I think, um, is trying to be conveyed here is this like the obsession with fame, which I guess is kind of the story of all three movies or what we'll learn, right? Right. Is this idea of being like obsessed with nothing less than being like the most famous person ever. Right. Um, Mia Goth's character, the, the young Mia Goth and Maxine, Maxine in the original X, like she has the same motivation where she's like, she snorts Coke and she's like, I'm going to be a fucking star. Yeah. And it's the same, like it, it's funny placing both of these as like period pieces. Right. And right. like the seventies and then way back in the 1910s. Cause like in the age of, you know, social media and influencers and everything that's like, this is what it looks like, like a murderous obsession right. with fame. And well, with, and it's uh, like kind of known. It's uh, it does. It's a great through line because it tells mm-hmm. us like this uh, desire we all have for, I guess, attention mm-hmm. um, is like can be misfueled so easily. But mm-hmm. it also transcends decade. Like it's not something that just happened in the 70s and 80s. Like, oh, now that they're, you know, now that we're broadcasting TV internationally, everybody wants to be a star. Like it's yeah. always been that way. Yeah. Uh, at least since like the invention of cinema where movies could travel and you could learn about somebody you didn't even know existed. 
um, in a movie theater where they're literally like 10 times bigger than they ever would be. Yeah. Like and it, it, and it works intuition. for, yeah, it works for a character like in any time period where, yeah. yeah, you have this one where it's like, she just wants to go be a famous dancer and it's, but like her, her commitment to it and her obsession with it, the fact that like, yeah, she, like she will kill and it does kill. To and it to is it. kind of funny to me because she never practices. No. Not once yeah. does she practice her dance. Like she just dances for fun. It's like someone who says they want to win American Idol and they like singing in the shower. Yeah. And you're like, okay, but like you got to be good if you want to do that. And to be like, fair, we I ne- sing every morning. We never see her. Maybe she did it off screen. That was actually one of the questions uh, they asked yeah. in the Q&A. They were like, are, is the movie saying that Pearl was a good dancer or like that she was bad or good or did, did it matter at the end? Right. Um, which I think the, the, the whole thing with that scene later on is that it kind of doesn't matter because it's like, right. It's uh well, maybe that's why it lost me a little bit is because by the end of it, I was like, I, we know she's going to fail. I literally haven't seen her do any dancing. except yeah. that hunt. Like she doesn't have any, she didn't put any energy into this other than I want it. Yeah. And so I was like, well, that's not going to get you, you know, over the hump. Yeah. And also, this is a horror movie, and it's going to go wrong. Sunday Scaries. Um, At this... are we around the the dinner scene, the final dinner scene with the mom now, I think? Uh, Uh, This is hard. It's like tracking this like a day or two later, but... I know. I think so like after the interaction with like the in-laws right they leave the pig and I think we get like another she's come back from you know in town and is this where we get the dinner scene she sneaks out they have a normal dinner because her mom punishes her for coming home yeah so she comes home late withholds dinner because she said she got candy on the way home that's where the rest of the money went so her mom's like okay well if you ate candy then you can't eat dinner so and then makes her sit there and watch them eat and then when she's in bed she like sneaks out and goes to the the movie theater and meets with the projectionist Mm mm-hmm because um, he promised he'd let her watch whatever she wanted anytime she wanted. And so they're like sitting there having a drink in his like projection room slash bedroom. I thought this was super romantic. I thought it was cute it, as hell. It was actually really sweet. Yeah. But also, he's it's you kind of get like, all right, this guy might be up to something. He's got a yeah. He, he like mentions how he just travels. He like leaves whenever he wants to be I've a projectionist. I've got what some call a bohemian lifestyle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so good i know and then he proceeds to show her uh so a, she, a silent like, porno what movie do you want to watch <laughs> and she's like i don't know he's like let me show you something you've never seen before and then shows her a quote stag film yeah which is like a 1920s porno which is by i guess 2020s standards very very old by definition just objectively hilarious too right like, a, they have a to silent... have like title cards in yeah. between sections <laughs> You're like, oh my god, uh, it was great. Um, but she's like deeply like she's she, she like, watches she's into it. it. Yeah, she watches all of it. I think it's one of those things she's just like processing. Like I didn't know people did this. Yeah, I think when you see the gears working in her brain too, I think the idea is she's like, you know, I want to be famous no matter what. Like, right? Because he tells yeah. her, and he's like, I could see you in one of these films, and she's flattered by that. She's she's right. excited at the idea. But the that, idea that he would show her pornography and then like compliment her just feels skeezy to me. Oh yeah, I'm like, this guy's he's. Like he might, he should have seen this as a red flag that she was down with all of this because <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a well, and it kind of ties back to X is where like he, you know, he is like sweet talking her into it, yeah, and she's like, he's like, I, I almost thought he was gonna ask her to make a porno movie with him, and mm-hmm. I was like, that would be kind of like a clever little like X to Pearl like a circular, yeah, yeah, like a full uh, circle a rhyming. I did think the whatever. pornography moment was one of the strongest if you're trying to like add all these movies up. 
because it is that's the through line for the first two is the like underside of the film industry is yeah, the and porn industry. I guess one of the things too that I that you know I forgot about when talking about X is like how like how kind of like sex positive of a movie that is. Right. How the like, the ownership of the sexuality is like given to all of the women in the movie who are like in these scenes and right. stuff to the Britney Snow character and Jenna Ortega and like right, right. it's them own owning all of that and then you know the reactions come from like you know the, the dudes who are not okay with it yeah or the men like, are all like upset that the women are like down to clown yeah and in this movie that's something that i kind of like forgot to see like i don't know i wasn't watching for it as much as like how much um like pearl is is supposed to be taking ownership of her own sexuality in like an era where it's i don't know but she doesn't do that as much necessarily as she does like it's about the fame right like but- it's less about which yeah and i thought the strongest point to make between about all the like porn conversations for both films is essentially that it like it's a through line again from like decade to decade so we're seeing like it's almost like saying like the evil like the darker cousin of film is porn yeah and it's like if the, there was always going to be like nude versions of all this yeah since and, like, we were able to make images yeah. yeah he even says the projection is like this is going to revolutionize cinema yeah, we both like laugh at each other. Word. Yeah, because you're like, yeah, kind of. I mean, it does though. Like, it's but funny. it's exactly the same sentiment as the director from X. Yeah, He's like I'm here to make like artful smut essentially. Yeah. But uh, it's like some unspoken, unacknowledged thing that like the the yeah like the darker twin to film is porn, mm-hmm. and if t- film can be exploitative just in its stars, porn can be exploitative as well. Yeah, I think it's I guess it's used it's as being porn is like unregulated, so it's extremely exploitative. Yeah, and the idea that like the darker side of not just the industry but the, but fame too. Yeah, like what comes along with like with fame is you know what what are you willing to be famous for? um which is kind of like that's the question yeah yeah um yeah so they they get down to sexy time as well uh and wake up later no they she goes back there's like a whole other day oh yeah because she doesn't yeah oh shit you're right god (laughs) damn it yeah i I missed like a whole that's what i'm saying though i was like i think some of that could be cut down because you just you're getting like more and more lead up to the big the this big climax because she sneaks back into the house okay and that's the night where her mom's crying crying. yeah which i don't remember why she's just like a sad mom i think she's just sad i think moms can be sad yeah i think it's also just kind of reinforced that idea that her mom also feels trapped like is also in this situation she processes it like a good german alone (laughs) in her Room, bottling up her feelings crying no into her pillow her at night yeah. <laughs> it's tragic like a proper german uh, i had a you know i had a german grandmother um who kind of i did and she survived she she told me a lot of stories about growing up in the great depression and mm-hmm. stuff and uh she was never greatest like generation yeah very greatest generation um but she was never like controlling like that because mm-hmm. my parents are boomers but uh, you can kind of see some of the echoes and it, it was the thing I was like, made the mom very real. I was like, yeah, I mean, that's, that's definitely it. Like oh, yeah. if my grandmother had less, uh, anything like had, had just had less food and less like clothes and stuff during the great depression, she might've come out the same way. Yeah. And there's a lot of these throughout like actual true crime history. Like this is like, you know, the refrain for this entire series is the Ed Gein thing where it's like the same. Ex- I knew you were going to say literally the I was literally same. waiting for Ed Gein's name to come yeah, out of your mouth. It's the exact same situation where it's like, yeah, the, the very stern controlling right. German grandmother who, who categorically classifies all sex and physical things as being inherently evil. Right. And like, you know, it, that's what they're operating off of. It's a combination of that real life, well, you know, that's psycho like kind thing, of and the, then Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That's probably then the through line for like X and Pearl is the same, like the idea that like what is transgressive mm-hmm. is actually freeing in yeah. a lot of ways. 
Um, and if you try and strangle that kind of expression, either the person strangling will just turn psychotic mm-hmm. or the person being strangled, like you're forcing violence by creating a moment like that. Yeah. And these, yeah, when you're dealing with people that are predisposed to like psychoses like this, it's not to say that like, yeah, I mean, there's plenty of people who grew up in repressed households that turn out not to be murderers and stuff. Right. But yeah, th- these are the stories of, uh, of what is the extreme consequence of it's that. It's the and trauma this, uh, like made obviously clear. Yeah. You're like, oh, well, they have controlling parents hence also these are fictional characters and stuff too so it's you know right. they can be whatever they want to be um but yeah so i yeah. guess this next day oh this is where we get uh her rolling the dad out onto the deck yeah of, like in, and in the pond and she goes and takes <laughs> her dad out to the, the alligator pond yeah and you're like wow that was pretty this is surprisingly easy and she's just like talking to him like stroking his hair and she's like it'd be so easy I wouldn't feel like I was abandoning you. Yeah, it'd be easier if you were dead. Yeah. That's kind of her thing, too, is she would, like, she just wants them to die. Yeah. Like, she doesn't want to be responsible for them. She would rather they die so she doesn't have to feel guilty she left them. The, uh, it's, like, easier if they were dead so she didn't have to worry about, like, sending money back home or shit like that. I think it's less uh, less so in the first, you know, act or two. I guess we're, like, we're like two and a half way acts into the movie now. But um, the acting of the, of the infirm dad with just his I eyes know. throughout this is so, like... Just the the thought of that character as yeah. Pearl unravels and having to witness it from inside a trapped you know body. There's a great bit where he like it, we see a lot of his reactions yeah. to what she's doing, and he is like deeply horrified. But yeah. like you wouldn't know. I mean, it's coming up right now, right? Like it's essentially he, well, it's at the it's like after the, it's at the dinner. Yeah. So she we'll get we'll get to that, but she like you know is about to sacrifice her dad to an yeah. alligator that she named, I think, and then. Uh, her mom like catches her and is like, "What are you doing?" It's just like, mm, can a can a lady take her old man out or something? Yeah, um, yeah it, that sequence is so fun. I, I thought she was gonna do it. I thought that that was the point where we see her like yeah like shove him into the, the right. fucking lake or something. But, but I liked it better. So that yeah. so it's teasing it, and now we get to this infamous dinner scene yeah, that you have teased the... multiple times now, and this beautiful dinner scene. Yeah, where Pearl, where everything kind of comes to the surface. So, like, we have been watching Pearl kind of, like, she's got the, she takes the hat home, her mom's mad. She saves the little brochure from her, the pamphlet from her movie, um, but she lies to her mother. So, her mother shouldn't know that she either fucked a scarecrow or saw a movie. <laughs> One of two is <laughs> way worse than the I other. thought I have somebody comes home with a top hat. It's like, what, did you, did you fuck a scarecrow or something? All right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's like some Kansas level shit. Uh, yeah, Kansas. That's Dorothy. The yeah. entire like Midwest, the breadbasket of America. Yeah, just weird ass scarecrows. <laughs> but um, they have an awkward dinner, and her mom's like, "What's this?" and whips out the movie theater pamphlet, and she's like, "Uh, what?" And then they get into it. What I really love about this whole sequence too is that the mom finally unravels like yeah. we see her break down and admit the same thing like that she is also trapped she's like do you think i wanted to to live here yeah. and have an infirmed husband do you think that this is the life that i imagined for myself hurt people hurt people man yeah it's in, it's intense but i love yeah that this this sort of you know uniting the themes together and the experiences of the two characters yeah. it's a i don't know but it doesn't it doesn't land with empathy on pearl uh yeah pearl's like well what the hell why would you do that to me yeah. i'm not your problem yeah very much so it's the uh yeah it's the opposite where she so she's like getting into like a, a slap fight with her mom essentially in front of the mantle her mom slaps the like wwe smackdown yeah knocks the shit out of her the first time it's mm-hmm. storming outside strong german women man <laughs> <Bro>. <laughs> oof 
Yeah. Knocks the shit out of her. And Pearl will not take that. Pearl also knocks the shit out of her. And so they get into like a little slap boxing fight, which ends with her mom getting on fire. Yeah. She's like in front of the mantle and Pearl is like slamming her into the mantle of the fireplace and her incredibly flammable wool 1910s dress immediately bursts into flames. My favorite is when they cut to the wide and she's kind of like standing there like a beat. Yeah. It's just like on fire. And you're like, she's on fire. Do something. (laughs) Like do anything. She does. She tosses a, a big thing of uh, bo- like boiling water boiling on her. That <laughs> puts her out. I know. Yeah, it like knocks her down, uh, throws the boiling water on her, and starts just like beating the fire out of her. Yeah. KO, man. She is down for the count. That is a Mortal Kombat KO if I've ever seen one. Yeah. But it's at this point that we, we realize, Pearl realizes too, that she's she's crossed a, a point of no return, essentially. Yeah. Um, and the pebble rolls down the hill. Yeah. Uh, and this is we we're talking about the acting of uh, the, the actor that plays the dad with just his face. And He's like, watching all of this unfold. He can't move at all, and you just see like his eyes ever so slightly wide, and just like oh. Fuck. He's given her like from the angle his head is cocked at. He has to give yeah. her like the, the biggest side eye. Like yeah. he is just freaked out. And the best is she's like comforting him. So she, her mom is still alive, horribly burned. It's like tumbles her body into Anakin the Skywalker level of like yeah you know, yeah, yeah yeah lost the high ground for sure for sure and like just yeets her body into that into the basement mm-hmm. like I'll deal with you later and then like comforts her father like it's okay dad it's I'm sorry you had to see that this man is like she's gonna murder me too yeah you I see the so screwed you got tears rolling down his face like that guy's too. not going anywhere <sighs> he's at the mercy of a murderer now this is a very like um yeah, James Caan and Misery kind of situation too, where yeah. it's like you know you're you're completely at the mercy of this fucking psychopath. Which you, she's like, like, she loves her dad. She's never had a bad experience with mm-hmm. him. He watches her bathe. Mm-hmm. Take that for what it's worth. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just gonna paint this in like the yeah. most insane light now. But now she that resolves to she revolves resolves to clean him up and gets him dressed up in his essentially funeral attire. Yeah, um, she puts a suit on him and everything. No, because she goes, so she panics. Leaves her dad, goes oh, to the projectionist. Then goes back to him. Okay, does that's the dirty right. with the projectionist because she needs to be comforted. She's mm-hmm. she's a woman in distress, and the projectionist is like down to clown. That guy is just like no questions. Yeah, I see it. <laughs> Makes sense to me. And she wakes up a little a little frazzled, and he's like, "I'll take you home." And we as an audience are like, "No, stay away." <laughs> Get away from her. We had a great. I feel like the audience experience for this, uh, this whole bit was great too, because everybody was just groaning. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, "I'll take you home." And he's like, "No, no, don't, don't do, do it. Do don't do it." Um, abort, abort, abort. She hops in the car and they uh, they head back to the farmhouse. And uh, the best is she realizes she left everything as it was. She has to go in first. She's and, like, like, hang on one sec. Wheels her inside, dad into yeah. the back room. Like, kind of, kind of like tucks him away. Yeah. Cleans up like a little bit. There's fucking corn on the cob on the floor like she just left the dinner there cut back to the the suckling pig that's on the porch that's like grown maggots and stuff it's, which uh, it's is festering. maybe the most disgusting image for yeah. me personally of that film i was like those are maggots it's a very like you can uh, like hear them falling they like fall oh, onto yeah. like a little tin container and you can hear the little pop, pop, the pop, uh pop. Yeah, the sound design in that, and then also it's just a very like it's like a very Dorian Gray kind of like little thing. As like oh, as yeah. her as her psyche is unraveling, this pig is just disintegrating. It gets better too. Yeah. We're gonna get there, but 
Um, the pig is, we're not done with the pig yeah but this whole bit with the uh with uh, the projectionist where they they go upstairs and start trying to have sexy time and then like you hear the banging from downstairs and realize she's trying to have sexy time with him yeah. he's like on the fence like like this is a classic night out like morning after thing mm-hmm. where he, like he went back to her place and she wants to like have breakfast and he's like oh i've made a mistake <laughs> she he wants realizes to hang pretty quickly too, yeah he's kind of getting the vibe that she, she introduces him to her dad and he's kind of like uh-oh <laughs> Also, she's married. It's like explicit. She's married, and he knows she's married. And she, he's like, why would she be introducing me to her family? Like this Something woman is hardcore horrible. married. They hear the banging from downstairs. She says it was. Uh, it's their dog. They had to lock away yeah. for for something. And to his credit, I too would do the same. I'd be like, uh, I'm not gonna get freaky with you with your dad downstairs and some random banging yeah. noise. I don't. This is already sketch. So she shows him out to the barn, and this is, I think, also where I don't know uh, Mia Goth performing is is fucking amazing as uh so she she makes a, a, a turn right as yeah. he starts trying to like back his way out of the barn she's introduced him to all the animals and stuff and is like which talking. as she's doing it you can just see him getting like oh fuck oh fuck oh fuck <laughs> she's trying to get me familiar with the cow don't put she your told di- me the goat's name i gotta get the hell out it's uh downhill from here don't put your dick in crazy man that's uh it me- don't meet don't meet crazy's parents seriously that's a red flag he kind of once it happens, he's like, "Oh, we're a red flag." Yeah, you've way gone way too out. far when you learn the cow's name. Yeah, yeah. that's uh, but he starts trying to back away, and then she makes that switch where she's like, "Did I do? What did I do wrong?" I love it. And he's like, like, "Well, uh, I got to get going now." <laughs> Must be you know, the old dusty trail, the matinee screening. But you, you have to work. <laughs> you got stuff to do. It's like such a classic, like guy trying to get out of it scenario, and you're like, "Buddy." You are you were in too deep the moment you put your dick inside her. Yeah, which uh, he, is he should have just turned yeah. and ran, man. He 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 saunters out of there way <laughs> too nonchalantly. But she does. She flips because she kind of gets it too. Like he's just trying to bail. She's mm-hmm. like, "What did I do wrong? Like, mm-hmm. what? Tell me. Tell me what I did wrong. Like, tell me what's wrong with me." Yeah, she starts screaming at him because she starts to think like unhinged. everyone hates her. She's like, mm-hmm. "Oh my god, there must be something wrong with me. If my mom won't stop yelling at me, mm-hmm. and I like you know am struggling to like relate to people." And this projectionist who had sex with me just doesn't want to see me ever again, mm-hmm. even though he literally said he might take me to Europe yeah. after we had sex the first time. Yeah, that's what she says in that conversation. She says, you're not taking me to Europe, are you? And he's like, yeah, it's, I, uh, I got to be going. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> you know what? Rain check. Let me get back to you. That is a, uh, something I think we forgot to touch on, too, is this idea of like, because her mom tells her that, too. Like, yeah. when they're having dinner at one point, she says, you know, other people may not see it, or if you spend too much time with them, they'll see what I see right. when I watch you every day and you, the moments you think are private. Right. Like, so this is the thing that we we kind of get, but we kind of miss sometimes, too, mm-hmm. is that, like, Pearl's all is probably a troubled child. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, that's what's implied every time her mom opens her mouth, like, kind of gives this speech at the big, at the deathly dinner, mm-hmm. um, is that, like, Pearl's always been a little... She's all like she says later, you know, I killed some small animals and I killed bigger ones mm-hmm. and I killed some like so she's kind of a, a like a the omen kid. Yeah. Um, it's the McDonald triad thing where it's yeah. yeah, like killing small animals, head trauma. Like, I don't know. But yeah, her, her the mom. McDonald triad? Yeah, there's a, is that what it is? It's the, there's a triad of a like. Jap- a Chinese mafia based out of a fast food chain. It's a. Uh, Try to misinterpret two words. There's a, uh, what is it called? Is it the McDonald or is it, uh, it's a serial killer triad where it's like the, 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 the trio of the features. The sweet spot of serial killers. You know, it is. It's, it's basically like the recipe for serial killers. And it's like if they. Damn. uh uh it's like head trauma like 
right uh, rough like arson as, as a kid um and then like hurting animals well yeah and a lot of it all is like yeah the mcdonald s- triad posts that animal cruelty fire setting and bedwetting in childhood Whoa. um are indicators of psychopathy or something it sounds yeah. like some 1970s yeah it's some weak you know maybe kind of outdated if you peed your bed as an eight-year-old yeah. you're probably a murderer no it shit. definitely it definitely comes from like the outdated era of like psychology I call and stuff I yeah. call BS on Ronald Reagan's psychologists. But but that's what they're kind of like hitting at here, though, is the idea that she is like she's inherent like and she knows right. it. And she's kind of starting to grapple with well, this it, idea. It of is like, true. If you murdered like animals as a child, you you are more likely to murder someone. Yeah, that we can take for we can say for sure. Yeah. Um, but this bedwetting, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Bedwetting. Everybody wets the bed. Yeah, I, I went to bed like a week ago. Yeah, I oh, did not. I made that up. You put that on mic. It's okay. I didn't. I didn't do that. Let me edit that I, out for you. I, I nope. <laughs> I, I would like no edits. I would like my truth to stand. There you go. She gets, she gets, she just gets turned around, and uh, he's trying to bail on her, and she just goes off and finally out that pitchfork. That guy is just like, all right, well. Peace and gets in his car, <laughs> and they do some great kills where like we're tracking him, we're tracking him, and we're like, where is she? Like any minute now, she gonna stab him. Because the last shot of her is is reaching, reaching behind the, the door and picking up the pitchfork, and, and he like, gets oh. in the car. We haven't seen her, and we, like the camera kind of gives us a glimpse because he looks back at the barn, nothing. Yeah, it's like a one no shot one. that circles him like, yep. around the car, uh, nothing, mm-hmm. and then it circles around, and she's standing like right over him, just like screaming at him pitchfork through the chest like three or four times yeah just a couple times the car's in neutral and this is where we get another psycho reference as it as it drifts into the pond and then no no no, no we're not there yet that's oh not it God, Travis, no he dies anything. right there no wait for it it gets better because he i guess like lets the car idle forward a couple feet and finally like puts it in park or something because he crawls out and makes like two steps ed pearl stands over him and this is that's one of my favorite right. kills with a pitchfork pitchfork impales him into the dirt pitchfork through the throat that's like the right. back of the mouth yeah because he's still breathing at that and point. just leaves his ass there yeah and like and the car just leaves it all there it's like fuck it this guy's done. oh it's not till later she comes back yeah. and she like starts to cover up at the very end yeah, when she's yeah, like yeah, yeah. i gotta get rid of all the bodies yeah or some of them at least so then she goes she's like full-on murderous psycho rampage Goes to audition for the dance. It's dance time. And you know, you're going into like, oh my God, they're not going to give her. And she's going to fucking kill everyone. <laughs> everyone. That's kind of what I thought was going to happen. Yeah. She everyone. to the whole fucking building or something. Yeah. Well, and you can see it in her eyes. Like she's got that. It's almost that. Uh, uh, it's like social network Mark zuckerberg like zone. Yeah, where they're like eyes. staring at something so intensely. And you're like, I don't want to be present. If I were in your line of sight, I would burn into burst into flames. Yeah. Because she has the whole conversation with Misty outside where she's like, it has yeah. to be me. So I, she meets her friend, her mm-hmm. sister-in-law, who's like saved her a spot. And you're like, get out. Get away. You're the only good thing in this movie. And they're like trying to. She's like trying to comfort Pearl. And Pearl's like, I have to get this. She's like, well, if it's not you, you know, if it's not me, I'd be happy it's you. And she's like, I'm going to get this. Like, stone cold. And Misty doesn't get, doesn't see it. She's just like, okay, guess you're really into this. Oof. And then we get her audition, which is, it's a fun, it's whimsical. It's a, yeah. it, it gets a little like Baz Luhrmann-y for a second as it's yeah. sort of like, she's doing this dance, like a very old timey, you know, like Maudville kind of vaudeville. Which the uh, first 20 15 20 seconds this is just her alone and it's clearly the dance of someone who's watched other people that like she's just mimicking what she's seen mm-hmm. without any sort of like intentionality or rehearsal mm-hmm. and so it's like kind of uncomfortable it's like you know that awkward moment when like someone's dancing and there's no music or like 
you just don't know how to acknowledge a bad dancer and you're just like <laughs> i don't know what to do with this social scenario the true horror was they just let her dance for like yeah, two minutes she just kept on going but it turns into a dream sequence and then the chorus line shows yeah. up but it's funny because as i watched it it i don't know if you felt this way but as i was watching it i was like oh her dancing only makes sense if there's a chorus line like if you're watching right. her dance without that context, she just looks like she's just like kicking her legs and kind of running around and smiling. Yeah, like what is the what are the judges seeing from their point of view without right. like the magical realism of and, of uh... and I it has to have been intentional because otherwise they would have made it look really sharp. Yeah, but Mia Goth like the chorus line looks great. Mia Goth is just like she's just trying to like fit in. Mm-hmm. Like her her steps don't kick as hard. She doesn't you know flex the right way mm-hmm. and she doesn't smile. You know, and she's just kind of like she just her moves are like so few. She just kind of runs circles around these like beautiful dancers mm-hmm. as they're like doing a little wartime jig. And then it cuts back to her in like real life. Um, oof. Yeah. Cause big it holds oof. on her with that, that big smile yeah. grimace for like a while. Yeah. Big. Oof. And then she gets rejected. They're like next. Yeah. Just a big old next. Yeah. The best is they say, I mean, they tell her like, you know, she starts to freak out and they're like, we're just not what we want. We wanted someone who's, you know, a little more like uh, all American, looking. all American, blonde, blonde. Yeah. yeah, which is a imme- We immediately like Misty. Oh, yeah. Her her step, her sister in law is what they're looking for. Um, she's like, great. That's going to be another thing we're going to have to deal with later. Yeah, because she's going to internalize that and deal with Misty. But it cuts to she's like freaking out and they're like, don't make a scene. And she just keeps screaming at them. It gets worse and worse. And it, like, cuts to the judges. And they're no longer these random-ass dance judges. They're, like, all the little people in her life that she thinks would judge her for existing. Yeah, her mom her, shows up. Her and... horribly burned mother. Her father, it, like, drooling out of the side of his neck in a chair. Her husband, who's away at war. Uh, and the projectionist, I think, who's, like, impaled. Yeah. Um, I, I love that shot, dude. Like, yeah, yeah, when her mom her mom is wearing a face mask and slowly pulls it away to reveal, like, her open jaw because the skin has been burned away. Yeah, it's, like, disgusting. Like, Joker-level yeah. disgusting. It's gnarly. Yeah. And they're like, we flat-out reject you. And she's, like, freaking out. And finally, like, we, we're like, she's going to kill someone. And then it cuts to her just, like, sitting on the side of the church, just, like, sobbing into her knees. Mm-hmm. And you're like, it it is wailing. Yeah. Like that Heavy, is probably crying. An, like, another like deeply uncomfortable situation where you're just like, I really don't want to be present for this. You just don't want to be present for someone like, like getting publicly rejected. Like you're like okay. That. You need anything? All right, I'll wait for you to get done with that. Yeah, it's like that. You like want to <laughs> reach out and then you change your mind. You're like, probably best they just don't know I was here. Yeah, yeah. Like I said earlier, this is also the part where I just love like Mia Goth capturing like the the sheer obsession with like right. with with fame to the point that like rejection is like worse than death like she yeah. the, the guttural screams she lets out it sounds like she's being well, murdered and when they're trying to drag her off stage it's framed so perfectly because one her first ticket out of there Howard went to war two her second ticket out of there turned out to be some guy who just wanted to have sex with her this projectionist he was mm-hmm. like I'll take you to Europe with me we'll go make stag films she was like sure fuck it why not and then the third one is she just just killed this just basically burned her previous life like mm-hmm. you know destroyed her mother her father's uh on his way out um and essentially just like what's she got what if she doesn't get this what's she got mm-hmm. she's got a farm that she hates at this point she has killed her dad oh you're right yeah because all right i she, jumped the gun yeah bad. she has killed before she leaves for the dance is when we get that whole him and being the funeral attire thing that i thought happened earlier yeah but yeah that's where she like she suffocates him like off screen but it's like they hold on the shot and you hear it happening in the and background. you watch a bird freak out yeah 
Um, which feels like a callback, but I'm not sure to what. Yeah, it's a canary in the coal mine kind of thing. The idea of like yeah. it's supposed to be a, a harbinger of, of bad things to come. Um, that makes sense. Yeah, I guess it's just a straightforward metaphor or whatever. She is the coal mine. Yeah, the coal mine. Um, but yeah, yeah she uh, she has nothing. She's essentially like she didn't get the job. Uh, like imagine you move to a city. You don't even have like a place to stay. You don't know anyone, and you're mm-hmm. like, all I have to do is get one job, and everything will be fixed. And you don't get it. You're like, well, I am fucked, capital F. Mm-hmm. You heard me. I said it. <laughs> you can bleep me out later if you want, Travis. Have I bleeped anything on this podcast before? You have, but we asked you to. Oh, yeah, legally, that's right. Legally, we asked you to yeah, yeah, bleep yeah. some stuff, because we're legally not allowed to discuss some yeah, things. I forgot about that. But you don't um, have to bleep that out. I could just tease it. Sure. I'll start, I'll start bleeping out, like, random things that you say to make it sound like you're just, like, like dropping. A yeah. Or like, make me sound horrible. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, I'm like, shit. I blank it when I blank saw them, <laughs> blank, murder, blank, blah, 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 sex. <laughs> you're like, what is wrong with him? <laughs> um, but uh, so Misty tries to accompany her back to the farmhouse to or comfort Misty her. Or Misty is, like, she's like, oh, she just didn't get it, and she was really into it. I'll yeah. Just, I'll comfort her. Good I'll take faith. her home. She's a good friend. Like, she's not – she has the best intentions, and she's trying to, like, help her. And she even goes back, you know, Mia Goth's uh, – Pearl is, is distraught, and they're sitting at the kitchen table. Like, they, have, they do have to walk by the yeah. now almost completely decomposed, like, Wait, suckling she pig. Acknowledges. She's is like, that our is pig? Is that our pig? <laughs> Uh, but they sit at the kitchen table for the, I think, the premiere sequence of the of the movie, yeah. um, where Misty is talking to Pearl about, you know, Howard, about her husband, and about how, you know, her feelings and stuff. Um, and Pearl, Pearl's like distraught, and she mm-hmm. kind of expresses that there's more than just the audition that made her upset, right? And, and Misty's trying to be a good. She friend. proposes, "Well, talk t- talk to me like you would talk to Howard. What do you plan on telling him when he comes back?" It's amazing. And Mia Goth like slips into this subliminal state, like her mind, like her mind. She clearly like envisioned Howard. Yeah. Like it stopped being Misty and just started being Howard and just goes off. Man, so this is that six minute monologue. Was it six? I thought it was twelve. They said I think they said six, six? in the okay. thing. I mean it felt like a lot. It felt like very long. Very long. Um I think it 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 worked for me. I don't know if on like a rewatch of this, like how how much more I could watch it again. Cause it like man, it, it goes on. But she I think to the to her credit and to the credit of like you know indulging in this monologue is she she goes through phases of emotion throughout it right. that provide sort of enough like it's not just her rambling off like I'll use an example uh, most recently in the bear um, that yeah. last episode of the bear where that was a great Carmi. monologue though. it was That's a great seven monologue minute. yeah but I you know there has to be. Like I, the show that show actually kind of lost me at that point. I was like, really? this is a little bit too like, because it it just it didn't fit with the rest of that show. But that's a different conversation. Sure. But um, I love that you mentioned Ed Gein and the Bear in one episode. Yeah. <laughs> Everything this podcast is about can be boiled down to Ed, Ed Gein, and, Gein the and the Bear. Yeah. Um. But yeah, this one. It, yeah, she she goes through these phases of emotion where you know at certain points like she you can tell she's like turning the lens inward and really struggling with herself and like you know as the tears start coming out and it start, she starts to get you know a little more blubbery and stuff but then it like it crescendos and then ends with you know her sort of being content and then like looking at misty and man misty's reaction at the end of it because that's what ty west said he said you know at any point we can cut back to her just like you know let's let's just try to run through it and i guess she did it in like two or three takes or something is that what they said they did it and top to bottom they were like we're just gonna roll yeah do the whole thing in one sitting yeah a couple times and we'll get it and they cut back to misty dude and her face she's like well the jaw is on the floor I should probably be going. Yeah. <laughs> Just like, this has been fun. Yeah. We should do this again. Not really. 
Yeah. We should totally do this again. She's like, you're not scared of me, are you? And she said, no. The monologue no. is probably my biggest focal point of my gripes because mm-hmm. I feel like it en- encapsulates most of what about the movie uh, uh, that like didn't jive. I won't say mm-hmm. frustrated. I wasn't frustrated. And it was certainly like, it was great. Mia Goth made, the, like, made a meal out of that monologue. Mm-hmm. But there's so much about what they put in it that feels like, one, they like spell out parts of the movie we've already seen. Yeah. Which as an audience member, I'm like, you don't need to recap some of yeah. this stuff for us. Um, and two, adds plot that we haven't heard of or knew about before. Like she talks about, you know, being pregnant. Yeah, that's right. Um, she talks about like, she makes explicit how badly she wants like her parents and Howard to die and how mm-hmm. she hates. There's just like some stuff that like was, a- it feels like it was like added in is like, Oh, here's another reason why she's like c- kind of messed up. And I'm like, I don't think you need as much of this monologue as you think you do. Yeah. It's almost like inserting, uh, like when you have like an, uh, an unnecessary narration or yeah. something like in the background, like telling, not showing like what's, you know, it is, it is very um, tell and not show for me personally. Yeah. And it, it you know, I think great actors make meals of that stuff. And so we kind of let it slide sometimes. Right. But I think in this instance, like there was just, it was too good. Like mm-hmm. Mia Goth helped write it. And so I think there was no one holding him back to be like, right. why, not, why not just to spell it all out? Yeah. This is that whole thing. Taika Waititi was like, you know, sometimes directors need editors. Like sometimes, sometimes writers need I, editors. And you like, know, a less is more approach yeah. in some moments of this movie, I think would have tightened it up enough that I would have pushed me over the edge. I'd be mm-hmm. like, yeah, this is But it great. didn't feel at the same time. It didn't feel like this was, for for stretching right it wasn't like i think it just was something that they really wanted to do like from the outset and like kind of like i said just indulged in it um which is fine yeah uh but i definitely understand yeah you're right about like adding story elements that we didn't hear or know about before what was the point of telling us that she was pregnant with this kid Mm -hmm. like we never knew about it before it doesn't add much more to the story and or it could have if it had been established earlier that's what i'm saying is like you know either make more of it or just Mm -hmm. not have it at all Mm -hmm. which is kind of my editor's note in a lot of ways and that's just a tightening uh, of some story elements that I think a second or third, oh, a, I say a, a fourth or fifth draft of this script could probably do. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, if they had just gotten one more week in quarantine, maybe we'd have <laughs> just like a little bit tighter, a little less of those like yeah. deeper. Because the, the dinner scene felt the same way too, is it's like someone writing out what the story, like what the dilemma is. And I'm like, yeah, oh, you've written it. It's like when you write something explicitly, you've got to dial it back. Um, and I also think it, it, yeah, it does seem like a like a like a writing weakness whenever it shows up in anything. Because that honestly, like yeah. going back to the bear, like that's why those last at that last episode right. really it kind spells of spells like, it out for you. Because like, it's not only I get it. It's not only Carmi that does it, where he's like, all right, he explains everything that was kind of that we got yeah. through his performance through the rest of the show. But then also it's the other character. Um, I forget her name. Um, but she's having dinner at her place with the baker, right? Oh, and yeah, they do yeah. the same thing where they're like, hey, just in case you need to get caught up, here's all of my character's motivations right. and backstory and all right. this other stuff. Sunday scary. And all right. stuff. It, it's not... But it's uh, it's funny because it's not technically lazy writing. It's a lot of work to write those things. Yeah. It's just like gratuitous yeah and my and i i say like it just needs another pass because like sometimes you underwrite a scene you're like okay course correct then you override it and then you're like great now i have too much and it's easier to peel it back yeah like dial it back see what's important and what's not and that scene will just feel tighter you start to be like oh you know what this whole monologue is like a page and a half yeah if we can get it down to a page it'll still have the emotional effect we want and not feel like it's got these extra bits that don't quite add because even like the so it it 
the idea is it, you know, the amount of tension that just builds over the course of you watching right. her do this. Like, you, it could have been two minutes shorter, and that's still been oh, been the case. I, mean, I think it could have been, like, three minutes shorter. Yeah, because uh, when we do finally yeah. cut back to Misty, though, you're like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I think that's more she about... She knows too much now. It's more about Mia Goth's performance yeah. that, and some of the more, like, obvious elements. Like, obviously, she does have to kind of confess to murder mm-hmm. to freak out, because then it sets up this next bit. But I think, like... Uh, my this is gonna sound kind of shitty, but it's natural. Everybody does this when you're watching a movie. If your brain wanders, that's like that's a sign. Yeah. And I, I was watching that monologue, and my brain just slipped. Like at one point, I was like, "Oh man, we're still on this scene." <laughs> like my bad. Still dude. in this one I, shot. I totally forgot. She's like talking yeah. about like how, like losing this child and like hating her husband. I was like, "Oh man, this is still going." And it's it's like in real life when somebody talks for that long. You're like, sounds, I checked out like a minute ago. It does. It does. It's the exact same thing. It sounds fucked up, but I use it as a metric. I'm yeah. like, you know, a lot of movies and TV shows, TV shows know like how to keep you hooked. Um, and so like you'll know the moment you check your phone because people do it instinctively when you're watching at home. Yeah. And it's kind of fun. Mary Kate, God bless her, but she will just like check her phone for anything. Yeah. Or like. I know I can tell in her head we're like watching a scene and I can just like, Oh, I think I know that actor. And I can immediately hear her like get on IMDb and start searching. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, is this like a boring scene? Like what's happening that yeah. like, dr- like that you don't, hooked? it's it's not holding your because attention. Because we for the, do remember yeah. the movies that hook us deeply mm-hmm. and you're like in it for the entire ride. Oh yeah. Um, and I try not to hold those like inattentive moments against a movie. It, 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 you're just bound to have that yeah. attention. The human attention span. It's the same as like intrusive thoughts or just wandering thoughts. Right. Or right. Yeah. But when it's like so aggressive that I forgot I was in the middle of a scene. Yeah. It's like, I don't want to feel like I'm being, I don't want to feel like my stamina is being tested. Right. And, and, you know, maybe I could definitely see with that, with that monologue. It's like, it's like, can you pay attention for this entire thing? Like, I just think people are going to say it's uh, like mean or insensitive to be like, well, it didn't hold my attention, so I don't like it. Mm -hmm. When what I'm saying is like, we, we have to hold ourselves to a practical accountability is like, I can't, I can't make Mary Kate just sit and like clockwork orange her eyes open to watch (laughs) all of, I don't know, Dune in a single sitting. Like it's just not fair to ask of someone. So why would you ask me to be any less than what I am? Mm -hmm. And so I'm justifying myself because I, I truly do like, I know it's a shitty metric, but I do gauge some of my moments off of like, am I like, did my mind wander? Mm -hmm. Like why did my mind wander? Because I do, I've noticed it'll happen in like very expository dialogue scenes. Is yeah. you're kind of like, okay, I your brain magically intuits like whatever I need to know from this, I can like in, infer. Yeah, because and that's the classic thing with like filmmaking and why the whole show don't tell is yeah. sort of like the the rule for these things where and it's like Ty West is great at showing. Yeah, and like you're 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 asking a lot of your your audience and your viewers to to really latch onto this yeah. this performance and to like for this moment to be sold singularly on her maintaining the and performance. Like I had that a few moments. Monologue. That's my, the, my biggest gripe is I had a few moments like that mm-hmm. uh, throughout all of Pearl where I just kind of zoned out for a split like yeah. a second. And I was like, Oh man, we're still doing this. That one was the most egregious, but yeah, I, I could see how there would be other moments that like, like I thought the scarecrow's dancing and like orgasm was like, nice but i'm not entirely sure what it accomplished it might have gone on for a little too long yeah like these are things you can tighten down minute by minute that'll add up to like maybe a couple extra minutes off your runtime but i think that like you know if you're going for mood the mood's been established i get it she's fucked up i don't i mean (laughs) i think fucking a scarecrow is probably a great like transgressive bit but I think you can boil down. Like, I don't think we need to see all of that. I don't think we need to see all of her dancing. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying we don't need to see her orgasm. I, you know, all four, like, 
I feel like I'm just digging a deeper hole. They cut to the cornfield at that point, though. Right. Like, you see the birds like pop up. One thing that they didn't, I think that was a great sequence, though, is the final kill, though, that happens on this one. Yeah. So, like, after Misty is kind of this like, she's trying to edge her me. way out of the door, right? And it's so, this is like great writing. It's funny because it's a great writing bit, followed by, like, I think a weak writing bit. And so, Misty, who's the most empathic person in her life, Who's just been told that like Pearl confessed to murder, hates hates Misty's actual brother, um, like adultery. all this stuff. She's committed, yeah, yeah, like she, yeah, she's she like, oh yeah, I cheated on your adultery. brother, by the way. Yeah, yeah. and Misty kind of like gets it. She gets that she's in danger. <laughs> I'm she's in danger. like, uh oh, <laughs> exactly. It kind of like does the same bit as the projectionist, but has to like sweet talk her way out of it. Yeah. And I love the writing bit because it goes back to the auditions. Yeah, and, that, and Pearl, Pearl's kind of like. You are don't have you, to lie to me anymore. Yeah, I you know that you got me? the role. Yeah, and Pearl's yeah. like, okay, all right, be real. I feel better. You can tell me you got the role. And <laughs> she's like, I actually didn't get it. And I believe her. I really do believe Misty saying, like, I didn't get the role. And Pearl's like, no, 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 don't lie to me. And Misty intuits, like, if I if she thinks I'm lying to her, it will trigger her. Mm-hmm. And so Misty's looking for the best way out of this. She's so trying she, to de-escalate the situation. Yeah, exactly. So naturally she goes... <laughs> you're right i got the role i hope you'll come visit and she just ever so slightly pushes in the wrong direction again and starts like driving it home you see pearl get mad and she's like okay well fuck you for telling me about this role you just got so you're like well misty is in like a lose-lose scenario there's no way to thread this needle perfectly you're like praying you're like she starts backing her way out, man. And Misty just gets out real slowly. Yeah. Kind of like, okay, she's sauntering down later. the steps. She's got those heels on, though, man. Yeah. Running away from a killer in heels. And it's my, this is my favorite. Because we see, on a, on a wide, we see her, like, exit the house. Um, and she just starts walking. And she's, like, normal walking. Uh-huh. And then Pearl comes out. And then she kind of stops, looks back at Pearl. One shot, Pearl, like, looks at her and... And then Misty turns around and starts walking a little more. (laughs) Then Pearl grabs the hatchet. Misty looks back. Misty sees the hatchet (laughs) in Pearl's hand. Misty starts like light jogging. Pearl starts light jogging. Misty starts sprinting in heels nonetheless. And Pearl is like just jogging, just following behind. And then Misty starts screaming like someone help me, someone help me. Oh my God, oh my God. great final kill sequence. And then gets back up. Now the distance between her her and Pearl is like minimized and Pearl's just like the Terminator, like the same speed. Yeah. Wielding a weapon, gonna get this girl. Axes her at least once in the back. Axes her again in the back. Misty is somehow on her feet, like screaming. Finally, Pearl just drives that sucker right in the back of her skull, and Misty goes down, like like yelling at her, like I won't tell anyone. Please, please, just let me live. I I don't want to die. Like all this stuff. And Pearl just puts her out of her fucking misery, man. It's a great kill sequence. Just the, the the image of her like chasing her yeah. like throughout it. Like I mean, it's all yeah. It is all one single shot yeah. essentially. Like just like dollied backward like for yeah two minutes or whatever. And great, great practical effects on mm-hmm. all that. Like the axe swing is modified with some like sound effects. So yeah, you never see like blood draw like anything like that no it's awesome and then we get this whole sort of like the final montage of her leaning full bore into the texas chainsaw massacre aspect of it she gets Ooh. like yeah so she like gets, gets rough gets real macabre like with uh, her pulling the body so she disposes of like the other people's bodies right yeah. she disposes of the projectionist and of misty but then goes back to the house we get gets a her montage of her uh chopping dismembering these... misty's and it's body like you could like the arm is there and then it cuts the arm in half and you're staring right down the hole yeah into the of arm. all the gore and the blood is pouring out of it yeah it uh, chops the bodies up 
Uh, feeds them to the gator. Feeds feeds them to the gator. Drives the car into the lake, mm-hmm. uh, a la 1960s Psycho. Um, then she gets the mom out of the basement and starts like she dresses and like brushes like, the hair. Well, of it's the... oh, so this is my note, and I actually meant to search this up, but I couldn't uh-huh. find out. She uh, so she this is this montage happens right after she goes downstairs to the basement, like cuddles her mom. She's mm-hmm. finally like, oh yeah, the world has broken, Pearl. Pearl will no longer dream. The farm is all she could ever have. So she's like, the world has broken her. Her mother was kind of right. Mm-hmm. And she goes and lays down in her mother, like her burned corpse of a mother's arms. And like kind of dreams that her mother's like stroking her and, and singing, singing to her in German. Which yeah. my question was, what if it was landslide? <laughs> what if it was German landslide? Think about it. Because she sings in German. It's kind of a, except it's not the, it's not the music of landslide. I know, and I was like, oh, I would love right now if the lyrics turned out to be German lyrics to Landslide. So I'm I'm just gonna decide that that's Which, what that was. For anyone who's not familiar, Landslide, uh, Britney Snow and Kid Cudi do a cover of Landslide in the Origins or in, in X, X, yeah, um, to a montage of Old Pearl trying to make herself look pretty. Uh huh. And so I was like, it would just be the the icing on this cake yeah. if this was landslide in german oh my god which it sounded like a nursery rhyme so i could be wrong but yeah. i pray i pray that we find out that it was landslide i just want that to be true inside my heart i mean man in x they because they sing the entire fucking song and it felt like that in this one too <laughs> except it's like german landslide as a nursery rhyme while she dismembers two people yeah. and feeds them to an alligator oh, that was great it's like uh, that sentence alone worth the price of admission. Some of the other bits there, you know, I'm not as I'm not as big a fan, but that climax does work for me. Yeah. No, I, I had a I had a fun time in this whole final sequence where she sets up so she postures the mom and the dad's bodies uh, at the dinner table at with the, dinner, the suckling with the dinner pig that they never for, that they they that's from two nights ago. Yeah. With the with the disgustingly maggoty suckling pig. Yep. And her husband, Howard, finally makes it home. And oh, what a sight to see. Which I think was great because that was my final, like, that's the one thing I needed to know after everything else. Because they're like, obviously X is about her and Howard living together. Mm-hmm. And Howard in X is like, here we go again. Pearl's yeah, off killing it. again. Yeah. And it's not her first time. Um, but they're like, how does, how do they get there? Like, what's, what's Howard going to do? Which is kind of nice because this movie has a happy ending, I guess, then. Yeah. If you really like, they yeah, have, if you think about they, it, they live happily ever after. She just kills people sometimes. But I think he, <laughs> I think she never told Howard that she killed his sister. Oh, you don't think so? No, I don't think so. He would never have stayed with her if, if we find out that she killed his sister. I don't know. But I the mom, that's... like the mom's still alive. You know, what yeah. happened to Howard's mom? I bet when Howard returns home from war, like, he's not going to want to see his mother and his sister. Yeah. Those are some loose ends that had to be tied up later. Which, that's nitpicking. I yeah. don't I don't need those questions answered. I just yeah. need to know how is Howard going to react because he's the, he's the one missing figure in this movie yeah. that does also drive Pearl's psychology. Yeah. So he, like... I mean, but that's the thing is that we have to presume that this love story is just a happy ending. Like, they yeah. literally do just... They, they stay happily married for the On next the farm. 60 years. Yep. Yeah. Until that troop of porn... Filmers, and porn, porn makers, porn makers show up. Yeah, he's knowing all of them. But he like, yeah, he comes home and he stumbles across the tableau of mm-hmm. like her two dead parents at a like filthy rotting dinner where some of that pork is missing. So this is my payoff. Some of that pork was missing. I think she ate it. You think so? I think so. I think it was just eroded. I think it was just. I like, hope it was eroded. Corroded. But so part much of me thought like, oh, stuff. so gross. But even cooler, she like 
had her dinner with her weird gross parents like they, dead parents there was a, there was a shot of her like sitting at the table yeah. right and like yeah you know, with the with the whole dinner so, set up and then so he's just like flabbergasted and then like it, the last shot he looks at his wife who's like howard you're home and it's just her smiling into camera like she does the 1920s like closing shot of a happy smiling girl yeah for seven minutes like something is like four or five minutes yeah ty west says like how they they originally had planned to do like a freeze frame like they did at the beginning of the movie but on the day they shot it they were like well just hold that and she went she went for broke so it's like she doesn't blink for three minutes it's intense yeah Yeah. which i thought was like a very great way to end the movie yeah it's just the perfect the perfect pearl moment her smile evolves from like a smile to a grimace to like in a lot of ways it felt the perfect because it's like she still thinks she's in a movie like she's gone back to thinking she's in a movie and she's literally acting like these are the end credits and she has to smile during the end credits yeah but meanwhile you see i don't know man mia goth is, is a treasure to do because like the yeah. this whole last that that last shot even too you see in her face her going it's like as if yeah. she's going through the cycle of events and and coming to terms with it with yeah. this one expression on her face but then like tears start streaming out of the corner of her corners of her eyes and yeah she's like barely holding the smile like this toothy grin together yeah uh, it was it was rough intense. and like they did they did play credits over her face yeah so it's kind of those like meta moments. Yeah, like, it's slowly the 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 vignette closes around her face, yeah. like yeah, yeah, yeah. like almost like she's being suffocated. It's uh, a, <laughs> it's great. I enjoyed it. What a pearl! Yeah, what a pearl! What a gem! <laughs> I I did. I felt like the last thirty were my favorite. Um, there's some stuff where it gets a little lost in the middle for me. Like I said, there's just like embellishments and added tropes that I don't know added more to this movie, um, and that uh. You think they were done just to, to check off the horror like, Maybe. checklist? And there's some sort of like, like it didn't feel transgressive for transgression's sake. Like it was all about Pearl's psychology. Mm-hmm. I just think like we kind of got it. Right. There's some things we just don't like, I don't, I don't know if we need some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but if the runtime's like an hour 45, eh, it's, you're probably not killing yourself. You're like your audience is going to stick around for the extra yeah, 10, it, 15. It didn't feel... No. Um, like it was stretching it didn't feel long it felt like everything except for that was... monologue where i zoned yeah. out <laughs> maybe i was like had a rough day or something it was just like snapped to and i was like where am i yeah i'm in a movie theater i was like two beers deep travis like, what are you doing out. here <laughs> oh my god she's still talking oh god oh wow what happened what year is it <laughs> um that was good. I, I would recommend this. I'm excited for I it to come too. out. I'm excited to see what other people think about it. I would it. 100% recommend. Yeah. I Do you think people who see X are going to be surprised by Pearl? Yeah. This is the same thing. My gripe with like horror people is they come in with expectations. Yeah. So like marketing, you know, they're getting this trailer where it's like farm girl goes nuts. But the first 30 minutes are like Wizard of Oz more than anything else. I think this one is less guilty of some other recent ones that came right. out. It's uh, not as misleading. Yeah. But I do think people are going to like expect... I don't know, more grit and more grime and less color. than I think, yeah, what's interesting, and I think the position that Ty West is in is that the the type of audience that went to go see X, I think is going to be pretty open-minded about like what they're they're getting into with this. I remember too, when X came out, a lot of, uh, it seemed like the kind of movie even like more casual moviegoers would be interested in. Because like I have friends that are like, yeah, we like horror, but we don't go to the theaters often. Yeah. They're like, oh, I did want to go see that. What's that? You know, and someone's like, what's that one horror movie about the porno? And you're like, 
X. It was an intriguing premise for sure, yeah. and I think there's that as and it has Kid Cudi in it and Britney Snow. That's a, that's some right, which on is it which stuff. is a hook, yeah, uh, for like the first, yeah, and then the second, you know, is just like. X is just a gateway drug into Pearl. Yeah, and I think the the I think the hubbub around like we were talking about at the beginning of this, just like the production phenomenon that was, you know, this getting written right. and, and greenlit so quickly and produced so quickly. Yeah, um, just also turning just an fast- entire movie around yeah. less than like releasing it six months after the release of your first one. And I guess it's not to give the movie too much credit in its own, like because of that, but just having that context too, I think, still yeah. is just stunning to me and like. This, I mean, this feels like a, a fully produced, very like you know, pretty well oh, made yeah. movie. Aside from you know some gripes about the writing and stuff, but I don't know, I was impressed with it. Yeah, and to be fair to everyone involved in the production of this movie, like you, people have done a lot more with a lot less. Like yeah. people will rush scripts into production just to get it out there, mm-hmm. and they'll make their buck. But it's like you're like, come on, guys, what are we doing? Like me saying that you know it's a little long in the tooth is like saying. I don't know. There's like slightly too much of a delicious or meal. Or vice versa. People have done a lot less with a lot more. Yeah. Like with a lot greater budget. A exactly. Lot, you know, Thank you. you know, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I like, I, you know, I would, it's probably a lot there's more very, than I wanted, There's very expensive but... shit out there that's been worked on for yeah. a while that is not stellar. Yeah. Um, that's all. It's in everywhere. Yeah. Like it, there's just no guarantee of being good. That was a like, conversation we were having at the bar before the movie was about like, what is James Cameron doing? Like oh he's in God. his Howard Hughes phase where he's just. He like, is Howard Hughes. Yeah. The spirit of Howard Hughes took over his body. Yeah. Um, he's just making avatar films seriously but yeah this comes out this weekend uh, this episode will go up on Patreon so you'll, if, you, if you're on there you'll hear it please um, put a dollar on Patreon I'm yeah. tired of sitting on this bar stool that Travis won't let me out of <laughs> you got the nice chair today I did I suck at tra- uh, Tyler <laughs> Tyler trying to hit at me with my headphone jabs I see you <laughs> We'll get the couch in here soon, and it'll be it'll be way more comfortable. Is it like a two man couch? It's gonna be the brown one from uh, hell yeah in there. So it'll be prepare right. to get weird, Tyler. Yeah, it's gonna be nice. Um, any other shows or movies you've seen recently? I am glad you asked. I have a bunch that I'm like on, but I'll I'll whittle it down to just a handful. We've also uh, got Sunday too, so if you want to like save some for then. Dang. Okay, I will save one then. Um, I I'm watching Reservation Dogs. This is like my third or fourth nice. plug. FX has just had me all summer, man. Between like they pick the they pick the right projects. I like what they like stuff that comes shit. out of there has been every. I think from like a maybe March until now, I've been watching an FX show almost every single week. Whether it was Under the Banner of Heaven, mm. The Bear. Did I ask you about Under the Banner of Heaven? Uh, I think I mentioned it in one of our early earlier podcasts. Yeah, I remember tr- like because I loved it. Trying to get into that, yeah, I tried to get uh, Kyra into it, and then like we we started it's watching it. Dark, like, but yeah. I loved it. Um, I, I wanted to get into it because I heard so much hubbub about Andrew yeah. Garfield. And Honestly, it goes back to March because Atlanta season three was mm-hmm. in March. And then I went, I went kind of went from that into Under the Banner and then from Under the Banner into, um, oh my gosh. I, I mean, definitely well, the bear. Yeah. What at, we do in the shadows is, uh, been a reoccurring yeah. comfort show to have on in the background for that, me for like, sure. They just keep turning out lots of great stuff. Archer's back now. Oh my God. Yeah. Which I actually kind of like this new season. I haven't, I need to catch up on Archer. I'm like, I it's think the, I'm a couple of seasons behind. Dude, skip, just skip all the way to this season. Yeah. Whatever season you're at, doesn't matter. Skip to this one. Cause yeah. there's like four or five seasons where you're like, uh, because okay. we're we're solidly like two seasons away from Jessica Walters like 
happy yeah, past, you could right? skip that. Yeah, like you could. I mean, you could probably watch that season with her, her last season. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it's just it doesn't start to click. This season's clicking a lot more. Hmm. Um, but I am. I'm watching Reservation Dogs. I love it to death. Every episode I get, I get like I cry a little. I like laugh a lot. That, that show has so much heart. It's, I it's, and it's such great storytelling. I'm yeah. like, man, I wish I wish we were all a little more just like back to basics storytelling like yeah. less gimmicks and more heart it's like just tell us more stories about your childhood or something there's some fun gimmicks in there though i love the like the, the spirit guide who comes to them like periodically oh, young warrior. <laughs> yeah, he's hilarious is what he says every time he meets them which i love um i've like I've, I've, i love the show you know i love a show when i adopt their slang into my my yeah. every day so i'll say like skoden i'm like skoden come on what are Skoden. we waiting on <laughs> um and so I watched a lot of Reservation Dogs. I will say I watched Perfect Blue for the first time uh, last weekend. Satoshi Kon's 1996 anime, like horror, hard horror thriller okay. about a pop, uh, one pop singer in a group who leaves her group to become an actress. And over the course of her transition, struggles to define herself. You know, it's kind of like when a Disney star becomes a movie star and they like start doing like rolling stone like nude covers or like playboy nice. interviews and stuff and you're like well that's definitely weird but it's from her perspective so it's okay. like her relationship with herself um and her own self-image goes from like pop idol to like murderous uh like tv show uh like she's on like a crazy like crime scene show that has like a rape scene and stuff and mm. so it's like deeply unsettling there's some really really rough uh, like trigger warning. There's some really rough, uh, like sexual harassment, assault, rape stuff in it, but uh, it's got this. Cra- and there's, there's like a crazed fan who like hates this new image of her, and we think is like killing people around her. It's deeply fucked up, and just like you don't know who's at fault. You don't know who who's the real bad guy. Like what you don't know what's gonna come next. And the finale was worth a hundred percent. Like Hell everything yeah. that happens. Um, so I would highly, highly, highly recommend Perfect Blue, and I hope you guys cover it. Um, if you ever do a section on psychological thrillers, I don't know if that's ever gonna happen. No, it might happen. Yeah, sometime. I don't. I don't. Yeah, we'll I don't see. have access to the Google Doc. Yeah, <laughs> I totally do. <laughs> but I would recommend uh, throwing that one in the mix because it is, and it's like one of the most renowned uh, fucked up animes you've ever heard of. Yeah, I think also it's having a and it's a movie not a tv show yeah and having animated stuff within like you know horror is uh aside from like you know the 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 fun sort of just feel good you know halloween season ones yeah um there's i don't know i need to look more for uh for animated horror there's a lot of like japanese like the the comics and stuff um that uh some friends got me into um yeah that i haven't seen translated as much or maybe it's just a, a blind spot for me honestly like i just need to get into that more well i would recommend perfect blue mm-hmm. no matter which direction you're going because that you'll love it it's just like a total like a total head case and i've just told this was the movie that inspired darren aronofsky when he made black swan oh wow so like if you thought black swan was fucked up you know he gets a lot of that from perfect blue yeah um, so I recommend that. Those are my two recs for right now. Hell yeah! I'm, I'm saving some more for my yeah. next for the next episode. I'll have I'll, uh, I have one that I'll I'll give out right now, which is um, I watched uh, Spin Me Round. Ooh, did Al- you hear about this? What is that? Uh, Allison Brie, right? It's Allison Brie Aubrey Plaza thing. You know, where they, they go to Italy. They're in. A, so yeah, the idea is essentially like the setup is that Allison Brie's character is essentially like an like an Olive Garden manager, like a fictional <laughs> version of a of an Olive Garden a very restaurant. Nice Olive Garden manager. It, there were so many like. <laughs> 
This hit hits so close to home. I waited tables at Olive Garden like all through college. Oh, wow. Yeah, I bartended at Olive Garden for like five years, and it was a whole. I have I have an entire friend group that came. You've been in the trenches, my guy. It came from working at that specific restaurant, and there was a program from Olive Garden where they send uh, like managers to Italy to go do some like corporate. Oh training my god! Bullshit. So it's for real? It's really literally like it's like yeah. This and this movie is like beat for beat like it hits all of those things and you're like yeah this would be an absurd thing but they end up going and it ends up obviously not being like what everybody's expecting like there's something else going on in the background uh and so this mystery unravels and it's just uh i don't know man i I love anything that allison brie is in and like the the combo of her and aubrey plaza as uh you know this is it's one of those movies it's it's, uh, produced by mark duplass Um, so it's one of those things where it's like uh and it's written by um i think aubrey plaza's boyfriend i think we talked about i talked about this with somebody um, but, uh, it's just, it's one of those things where it's like, I don't know, man, their, their chemistry and then just like the crazy antics that they get into, like as a, as a duo in all of their movies. What's They're- the movie where, oh, oh man, I'm in this, I'm in the sneeze zone, but I, oh man. Is it going to come? I don't know. It's been like that for like a minute. Uh, I'm going to power through. What's the movie where she's a nun with Aubrey Plaza and someone else and Dave Franco's there? Yeah. And they're all trying to have sex with Dave Franco. And uh, I want to say John C. Riley is like the the head priest. Uh, the Little Hours? Yes. I think it's called The Little Hours, which is hilarious. Just like put a bunch of comedy people together and have them like act out this insane uh fable from the 14th century yeah. about like nuns and priests like sinning and it's it's and, their like, particular fred armison is in it anyways yeah and fred armison shows up in this one too it's kind of the same okay. like crew of people because like mark duplass all the way back from um did you ever watch uh seeking a friend for the end of the world no but you, i heard you know about, about that so yeah that movie has a uh, uh like jake johnson from uh, yeah. uh is that the one where they think they're going back in time yeah it's the one yeah. where mark duplass plays a character who who like they're they're going to like do some investigative journalism on him. Yeah. Aubrey Plaza is like the other like assistant reporter. Yeah, and because uh, this guy puts out an ad for going back in time, but they think he's fucking crazy, and they right. just want to like find out about him and his life and stuff. Yeah, and it's a weirdly like really sweet That's sort of Plaza like brothers. Yeah, it's a it's like a feel good Donnie Darko kind of yeah. thing. I watched um, Room 104, which is their HBO show. Mm, uh, I didn't watch that one. Yeah, I love it. Anthology, every episode's different. But mm-hmm. they bring in so many great actors. And it is. It's the same thing as like these really weird concepts. But it's kind of like a proof of practice. Because yeah. like, it all takes place in one room. Yeah. In this hotel room 104. Yeah. I would definitely like, yeah, uh, spin me around. I, I give that a pretty, like a soft recommendation. It's not like, I mean, it's not like an amazing movie. but It's I, a it's movie just, that'll get you through like a Friday night. Yeah. You got nothing it's a good, it's do. a good date night movie. Yeah. Uh, it's got, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's definitely got like eyes wide shut vibes to it uh, at a certain hot. point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, very steamy. Yeah. But it's, it's fun. Good Alison Brie was like one of my first real grown up celebrity crushes. Oh, absolutely. Man. I saw her in community. Yeah. And I was like, oh, wouldn't it be so cool if we dated? We try not to sexualize Annie. Right. <laughs> Same thing. Which is funny because when I found out she was married to Dave Frank, I was like, man, I know. he's not even that uh, good looking. Uh, but he I, is. I don't know, man. Dave Franco. I was having this exact conversation with Blake the other day, actually. Really? We were, yeah. We were talking because he, he hates Dave Franco. And he's like, yeah, I can't believe that they're married. And I'm like, he's fine. And he's yeah. like, yeah, but that's just one of the worst examples of like Hollywood nepotism or whatever. I'm like, it's. Yeah, it they are Nepo. Is. He is kind of a Nepo baby. Yeah. And they're like a Nepo family now. Yeah. But what do you expect? Like they just, they're, it's like marrying someone in your industry. Yeah. Like they get it. Yeah. They do it. They've done it. Um, It's just funny. Like when they did the little hours, I heard an interview with Alice, with, uh, uh, with Alison Brie, where she's talking about how like Aubrey Plaza's character, like is trying to sleep with 
Dave Franco, and they're like all in this scene together. Yeah. And it's supposed to be a threesome scene, but like Aubrey Plaza initiates and he kind of like goes with her. And then Allison Bree's like disgusted. And she's like, yeah, it's really weird to watch Aubrey Plaza seduce my husband. Yeah. A la Don't Worry Darling. Yeah. <laughs> which we need to have an entirely separate conversation about probably I, at some point. Do you not have time to unpack that one for us today? Yeah. We'll do but... it. We'll do it in another episode. We'll oh, see. Hold on to that. Maybe um, I can talk to Jamario about it. Yeah. Uh, he might go see it he might not i might go see it this weekend we'll see do what makes you Um, happy yeah watch spin me around uh watch perfect blue perfect blue uh and uh listen to our episode i think this will be this episode will be public the poltergeist episode will have already been released uh when this episode becomes public oh cool so my poltergeist joke will make sense yeah retroactively poltergeist yeah will make sense yeah uh, hey guys, there's an Instagram page for this uh, podcast. It's uh, at Scary Sunday Scary. Please go like the Instagram. Yeah, go like our Instagram. We Just like some stuff on there. It's we fun. like our Instagram. Yeah, it's fun stuff. There's uh, a Patreon, patreoncom slash Scaries. For as little as a dollar, you get early access to episodes like these. And um, I get a better chair. A better chair for Daniel. Uh, and October's coming up, and we've got a whole host of fun stuff planned for that. That I think is going to involve the Patreon. A lot. We're going to spook your pants it's off. It's going to be so spooky. Uh, I'm at Trav the Guy on Instagram. I'm uh, at DG underscore Pappas. Yeah, and this is a bonus episode, so we're not going to worry about teasing the next episode or anything. Yeah. This is just uh, its own little thing. Uh, bonus. Hope you guys enjoyed it. We might be going to uh, see some cool stuff next weekend, too. So Get stoked. Maybe we'll record in Austin. I'll bring the... Uh, I was going to ask if we could do that. Yeah, we'll Like, see. just for fun. I'll bring it down. I'll bring my laptop. You do what makes you happy. I yeah. will be present either <laughs> way. You might have to hold your microphone. I don't know if I can bring you, the stands. You really got me there, bud. Sunday Scaries.